Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, I'm Pastor Ronnie, and we are in week two of the Storms of Life. And this week, I want to tell you about self-inflicted storms. And, and I can't think of anyone better in the Bible to talk about the, the topic of self-inflicted storms than to talk about Jonah. Now, Jonah was a prophet. He heard from the Lord. He would go and proclaim those words that God gave him. But what you may not know, a matter of fact, a lot of times when we think about Jonah and all you hear about is the story of him um, being swallowed up by a fish, we forget who he was. And, and Jonah was a zealous patriot. He loved the kingdom of Israel. He loved uh, his God. And he was very zealous in this. Matter of fact, he was responsible for helping the expansion of the um, Israel kingdom during his uh, time as a prophet. And so here is Jonah. He has um, been hearing from the Lord. He's been proclaiming the word. He, he's somebody, when he, when he came around, uh, everybody, like, you know, stood a little bit taller, and they watched, you know, him, and they listened to every word that he said. And then he has an encounter with God. And, and so we don't hear too much about any other encounters that he had but this one. And I think it's really a great example of self-inflicted storms. So if you have your Bibles open to the book of Jonah, I'm going to read in chapter uh, 1, verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now remember, this is Jonah. He's a prophet. He's heard from the Lord before. He's spoke those words before. And now God is coming to him and telling him, I want you to go to Nineveh. And what you may not know about Nineveh is Nineveh was an enemy of Israel. Nineveh was, uh, you know, and, and not only that, but the countries that Nineveh came up against, they just decimated. Them. They, they killed people just for pleasure. It wasn't just to, to conquer and God's telling Jonah, that's where I want you to go. I want you to go to the enemy, and I want you to tell him what I've, I'm about to give to you. <laughs> well, Jonah probably had one of those times where he said, let's not and say that we did, God. And why don't you just go ahead and destroy them? They're the enemy. They're wicked. They're evil. Because that's what Jonah is believing. I think that Jonah had realized that God's going to destroy Nineveh. Unfortunately, because he was the messenger, and you may have heard this um, before, and that is, don't kill the messenger. Well, Jonah expected that when he delivered the message that God wanted him to deliver, he was going to die. And so, instead of following through on that, Jonah took matters into his own hands. And when he did this, he entered what was called a self-inflicted storms. And I want you to understand this, that self-inflicted storms are inevitable. 
If you've got a pulse, I promise you, before your last breath is taken, you will create another self-inflicted storm. I'm confident that you've already been through at least one, if not many of these. And here's usually how it goes. We don't like the, the direction that God has given us. We don't want to do what he's told us to do. This may be in, re, in our relationships. This may be about our job. It may have to do with our finances. It may be about our health. And so when God tells us, like, for example, in a relationship, you don't need to pursue that guy. You don't need to pursue that girl. And what do we do? Instead, we, we say, you know what? I'm going to be a missionary, and I'm going to help them know the Lord better. And it usually doesn't work out in our favor. Or in our job, you know, we decide that, you know what, for, for whatever reason, we may make a compromise or we may take a stand that, that's not the right stand and it affects our job. Maybe our finances. You know, right now all across the country uh, in the last week, people have been given money by the government. Your money, but being given money by the government. And maybe the Lord's laid on your heart to help somebody with that. And you're struggling with that. And you're finding yourself that you don't want to do that. You don't want to let that slip out of your hands. Maybe it's your health. Maybe the Lord has laid on your heart that you need to change some, make some lifestyle changes. Maybe you need to uh, change some of the um, things that you consume. Maybe you need to increase the amount of exercise. And yet you go in a different direction. Let me just ask you this. If you're going through a storm right now, drop it in the, in the uh, comments. You know, yep, I'm in a storm. And the question I would ask you is, is your storm self-inflicted? Well, Jonah's storm was absolutely self-inflicted. There's no doubt about it. He caused all of the challenges and problems and issues that he dealt with that we read in the book of Jonah. In verse 3, it says this, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. Now, it's interesting. Joppa has a, a place in my heart. Joppa, Maryland was where I got baptized. And so whenever I read this, I think about that, that day, um, that Sunday afternoon, going to Joppa and getting baptized. Well, Jonah wasn't going down there to get baptized. Jonah instead went down there, and it says, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you caught that, but twice in this verse it says that he went to avoid the presence of the Lord. Now, when God speaks to you, when God puts something on your heart, here's what I've learned. Where God guides, he provides. When we step out of faith on those times when God is calling us to take action in our lives, even though it doesn't make any sense, even though it, it, all common sense says this is not going to work out in your favor, God provides miraculously and somehow it just works out. Well, the verse also says that, so he paid the fare. And I want you to understand this, that when you hear from the Lord and you know what you're supposed to do and you decide to go in a different direction, you're going to pay a price. You know, when you listen to God, he's going to provide, he's going to take care of everything. When we run from God, God's going to get our attention and it's going to come at a cost to us. And you're going to see the price that Jonah paid. I'm sure that right now you're thinking about the price that you are paying or have paid for some of your decisions to run from the presence of the Lord. 
Well, if, we, if, I, if you look at this map here, um, I just want to show you what Jonah did. And, and I think it's really a good example of, of what a lot of us do. And, and here's what happens. Um, you can see this red arrow, and the red arrow is pointing up to Nineveh. It's coming from um, Jerusalem or Joppa, and those, were, those two cities were pretty close together. And Jonah was told by God, go to Nineveh, which is modern-day um, uh, Iraq, and go to Nineveh and preach the message that I'm going to give you. And instead, he runs from the presence of the Lord. He gets in a boat. And if you look at the far left of that map, you're going to see Spain, and there is the city of Tarshish. Tarshish was 2,500 miles from Joppa. Nineveh was 500 miles from Joppa. You know, I think about a self-inflicted storm that I created. After I graduated from high school, I went to Bible college. And it was in the second year of Bible college. And, and I am um, probably one of the best times of my life. You know, God was very real to me, uh, speaking into my life. Um, my prayer life, uh, I, the way I saw scripture was just coming alive. And I can't, t I can't explain this, but I quit Bible college. I ran from the presence of the Lord. And just like Jonah, when he could have gone um, 500 miles, maybe it would have taken him 30 days to travel there by walking. What I could have completed in, in less than four years, instead I went a different direction. I ran. And it took me 19 years to finish the degree that I started and it took me 28 years to answer to the vocational calling that God had given me. See, our storms are self-inflicted. Verse 4, here's what the storm looked like for Jonah. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. I think this kind of sounds like a storm that I read to you last week in the book of Mark when Jesus was with his disciples in a boat. And here's what I want you to understand, that our self-inflicted storms, yes, they are inevitable, and here's why. Because sometimes we engineer by our own foolishness and by our own disobedience, we create the storm. We create a situation where God has to hurl the wind at us, where he's going to get our attention. You see, Jonah heard from God, and he said, no thanks, I'm not going to Nineveh, I know what's going to happen, I'm going to die. And he found the boat going to Tarshish, and he got on it. Ronnie, I knew that I was called to be a pastor, and instead I chose comfort, and I got on a boat, and I went back to my house. And, and I went where most guys go when you run from the Lord. I joined the military. Let me ask you, what is it that God has called you to? What is it that he's put on your heart and he's wanting you to respond to? You probably, right now, it's coming to your mind. Now, let me ask you this. What boat... Are you choosing over that? What direction are you heading? Where are you going to get away from the presence of the Lord? You see, the, the truth is this. We have multiple options. There's a lot of different things that we can do when God calls us and asks us to, to live out a certain action. But there's only one way, and that's God's way. And when we don't do it God's way, we find out that we engineer our own destruction. We engineer our own storm. 
I love this uh, in that quote I'm showing you, and that is that we engineer by our own foolishness. You know, look at the effort that Jonah took to get to Tarshish. 2,500 miles away, going into a ship, paying money to get away from the presence of the Lord. And then you see, um, either way you look at this, this was disobedience. And a lot of times in our lives, we think, well, I'm, I'm going to do it one day. And what you'll find out is that delayed obedience is disobedience. Well, let's keep reading in verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. Now this is a major undertaking. When the captain gives the word to throw the stuff overboard, like his life was on the line. If he can't convince the person on the other end or the person responsible for what he was carrying, he could be killed on the spot. And so the storm was so bad that they're throwing over all the cargo that they were taking to Tarshish. And, and it says, But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Now, as you read through the book of Jonah, you're going to see a picture of Jesus over and over and over again. And so here he is, Jonah's in a boat, in a storm, sleeping. Mark 4, Jesus was in a boat, in a storm, sleeping. Now, they had two different motives on this. And the motive that Jonah had was that he checked out. That's what I did. God was so real in my life, and I got scared. I was afraid. And I prayed and asked God to get me out of Bible college. Well, no surprise. Two days later, my mom calls, and I'm talking to her, and she says, Hey, I need to go to Virginia and stay with your sister would you mind taking a semester off and coming and staying with your dad? Well, you know, my mom didn't understand, but that was an answer to the prayer that I was praying. And, and I just want to point this out to you. You can ask God to, to do things that are against his will in your life, and he will give those things to you. In Psalms, it tells us that the nation of Israel would cry out to God, and he would give them their request, but he sent leanness into their soul. You know, that's what a good, good father does. He, he, he gives us things that we beg for and we cry for, even though he knows it's not the best for us. And so here is Jonah. He's checked out. He's down in the, the bottom of this boat. The storm is crazy, and he's still sleeping. Ronnie checks out from Baba College, leaves, goes home. There was nothing at home for me. You know, it wasn't time yet for, my, uh, for me to be watching my dad. Let me ask you this. What does it look like for you? What does your checkout look like? What does your sleeping in the bottom of the boat look like? Have you quit going to church? Did you give up that Sunday school class? Have you stopped reading the Bible because you don't believe it? Has the crisis of faith taken you to a point where you question your own belief system? Well, wherever you find yourself... You're going to find yourself asleep in the bottom of the boat, ignoring the words, the message, the thoughts that God is bringing into your life. In verse 6 it says, So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, go call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, I just want to, I want to point out the irony here to you. And that is, this is a sinner, a heathen, 
somebody who doesn't know God, who doesn't know um, how to, to serve the living God, and he's telling the prophet to pray. Isn't, don't you hate that when you're running from the Lord and you get into a conversation with somebody at work that you know they've never gone to church. They're probably, they told you they're never ever going to church. But then they probably tell you something that a pastor or a friend told you. The very same words and that is, hey, you know what, you probably should pray about that. I think of uh, just this past week I saw a video of Governor Cuomo, the New York State governor, and they were talking about how that things are starting to get better in New York. And he makes this statement, God didn't do this. And I, I don't want to live close to him. I don't want to, certainly uh, when eternity comes and we, we go to the judgment seat, I don't want to be anywhere close to people like that. But it was somebody just like that, that, that didn't believe in God, that was telling Jonah, you need to pray. And I just want to point this out to you, that this was a very lonely time for Jonah. He left everything that he knew. He was a prophet. He had a high status. He hid himself in the bottom of a boat and went to sleep. And then when he's woken up, I don't know if it, have I, some of you may wake up very quickly and you, you know what all is going on and, and everything makes sense to you, but some people don't wake up very quickly. Maybe Jonah was like that, and he's being shaken by this captain. And the captain's telling him, you need to pray to your God. And all Jonah's probably thinking is, how can I pray to the God that I'm running from? I don't want to hear from him. I know what he's going to tell me. I know what I'm doing is wrong. I know that the storm is because of him. And let me tell you this. In your storm of life, whether it's self-inflicted or not, you're never alone. You know, I think about somebody... um, very recently, friend who had God's calling on his life was responding to that calling. It was amazing to turn around. It was to hear from his mom and dad um, and friends. They just were ecstatic about the turnaround in his life. And he made a decision and he created a self-inflicted storm. And when that happened. Instead of drawing close to those people who loved him and supported him and cared for him, he abandoned the friends and family that could help. And I just want you to realize this, that your decisions don't just affect you, they affect other people. They're going to affect your family. They're going to affect your children. So whether you make a bad decision on a relationship, that's going to affect you for a long time. When you make a bad decision about the job, that's going to affect you for a long time. When you make a bad decision about your finances, you're going to be paying for that for a while. When you make a bad decision about your health, it doesn't just affect you. It affects the people that are around you. Let me continue in verse 7. And it says, and they said to one another, these are the guys on the boat, the ship. Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. Now, you know, Jonah could stand up and say, I got it, guys. It's it's me. You know, you don't need to do this. And instead, it says, so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Proverbs 16.33 says this. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. You know, I've seen many. Matter of fact, I've done this. 
and, and this is how I study my Bible, you know, sometimes. And that is I just open it up and blindly point to and I start reading a verse. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Now, I'm embarrassed to tell you that, that that's sometimes how I study the Bible. But I can't tell you how many times I've done that and the Word spoke to me. God took my ignorance. God took the lot that I had cast. And he put it right in my lap, and he gave me what he wanted me to hear and see and do. Same thing happened with Jonah on this ship. Verse 8, and when they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? All right, I just got to tell you, things just got awkward for Jonah. I mean, Jonah was well-known in Joppa. He was well-known in Jerusalem. He was well-known in Israel. He's here on this boat. These guys aren't even from Israel. They don't know him. They don't know he's a prophet. All they know is this guy paid them money, and they were going to take him to Tarshish. This storm comes out of nowhere. It wasn't a normal storm. Everything they tried to do wasn't working. And so finally, they get this guy that's sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and they, 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 after the lots are cast... And they, I, I can see they just grabbed him by whatever he's wearing. And now they're asking these questions of him. He can hide no longer. Verse 9, and he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. That's probably a bad answer. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. You know, I kind of relate to this because I could be in a store and, you know, just I'm, I'm just somebody else in the store. And then I'm in the checkout line and then inevitably sometimes conversations start up and, and someone asks the question, hey, what do you do? I say, oh, I pastor Temple Baptist Church down the street. Almost every time I say that, the conversation stops. That, that awkward moment happens. Things change. And when they asked... Jonah, who are you and what are you doing? And he gives this answer. I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Things changed. This happened to me while I was over in Afghanistan. Um, I'm at Camp Lightning. Uh, This was a camp that had a couple hundred of us. And um, the chaplain had to leave for like three weeks. And so he asked me to fill in and hold the, the chapel service for him. And what was interesting was, now I had gone, I, had, I was praying every day. I mean, I was bold in my faith. But when I started filling in for the chaplain, things changed. The way people treated me was different. Um, not too long after that, there was a, um, somebody killed in the camp. Um, and they, they found me and asked me if I'd do last rites on him. All right, why? Because I was filling in for the chaplain. And here, Jonah, he's in this situation. Like, he's the one who calls the situation. He knows this. Now they know that. And now he's got to try to explain things. Verse 10, the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, What is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now, I just want to point this out, that even the heathens knew this was not a good idea. I just want to say to you, with with as much love as I can, when you run from God, it's not a good idea. 
You have a good father. He cares about you. He loves you. Yeah, you've made some bad decisions. You're going to have to live with the consequences of those bad decisions. But your heavenly father, he loves you still. Remember this, our self-inflicted storms, we're never alone. But watch this. God has not run out of options. No matter where you're at and you run from the Lord, maybe you've, you made it to Tarshish. Maybe you haven't thought about or worried about what you are supposed to do as a Christ follower. And yet the storm of life is still raging. And I'm here to tell you that God has not run out of options for you. And many of you are looking for a way out. You're looking for God to calm the storm. And I just want to tell you that you need to quit looking for how God's going to do it and just in faith give your life back over to God and allow him to work through you. You see, God didn't run out of options for, for me. I left Bible college. I pursued. I went in a totally different direction. A few years later, I rededicate my life. I get focused back on serving the Lord. And then I'm just here to tell you that for the next 20-plus years, everywhere I went in the military was like a missionary journey for me. God did not run out of options, and he used my efforts to prepare me for such a time as this. I'm just here to tell you that God has not run out of options for you either. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad the sin is. I don't care how low you've gone. I don't care how many people you've hurt. God has not run out of options, and he can still use you. How do I know that? He did this for Jonah. He didn't run out of options for Jonah. Let's look in verse 11. And they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. Verse 12, he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. All right, so Jonah starts off, he hears from the God, doesn't like that answer because he believes he's going to get killed when he goes and delivers the message. And now here he is, I don't know, is he an hour into this voyage, uh, a day into this voyage, more than a day, in, I don't know when the storm came up. But now he's telling them, hurl me into the sea. And then things will calm down for you. Oh, Jonah, he was hitting the old woe is me button. Hurl me into the sea. Man, I just wish God would take me out of this world. Have you ever said that? Man, I wish that, you know, I could just get to the other side. When I want you to know that you got a pulse, you're breathing, God has a purpose for you. He has a mission that he needs you to accomplish. The one that you know, the one that is in your heart. The question is, are you going to get on a boat and flee? Or are you going to, or are you going to tell people, just kill me. It'd be better than if I died. Well, let's see what happens in verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. Now, now think about that. These heathen, these sailors, they knew that Jonah was the reason for their discomfort, for the reason why they were being affected in a negative manner. And so they still did everything. He said, look, throw me overboard. And they weren't willing to do that. Why? Because they valued life. 
God has put that into the DNA of every one of us. It says, but they could not. Why? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. And so they give in. In verse 14, therefore they, the heathens, called out to God, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not the innocent blood against us. For you, O Lord, have done it as you pleased. I don't know. There may be people in your life that because of your disobedience, you running from God and God being so crystal clear that he's working in your life, they see that God is real. Verse 15. They picked him up, Jonah. They hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Man, that takes me right back to Mark chapter 4. Completely calm. Now, I don't know about you. But as I think about this scene, and I try to imagine it, there's chaos. The, the, the storm is battering the ship. They're throwing all this stuff off. They find Jonah in the bottom sleeping. They tell the captain. He comes and shakes him and gives him the what for. And then finally, they listen to him. They throw him into the water, hurl him into the water, and it's calm. And all I can picture is, you know, normally, I'm... When we think about this, well, he goes into the water, the fish swipes him up. I think, all right, here's Ronology. I think that when it was calm, there is Jonah floating. And these guys, look, it says in verse 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They're watching Jonah float out there, and then something happens in verse 17. And the Lord appointed, I don't know which version you're using, but you might see the word provided, a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Remember I told you that Jonah, you were going to see a picture of Jesus. Not only was he asleep in the boat, but um, he is now in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And I want you to understand something. God appointed this. It was Jonah's decision to get on the boat and run. Remember, I told you, God hasn't run out of options. And so here, Jonah is saying, throw me into the water. So he wants to die. And I just picture these guys are looking over at Jonah. They're like, yep, you were the problem. And then out of nowhere, this fish comes up and just swallows him whole. Well, remember this, when you're having a storm, and even if it's a self-inflicted storm, your faith is what's being tested. You know, you need to learn how to give thanks in the storm. I had to do this. I, I was in Bible college, and my car broke down, just quit working. And I remember the, the speaker at our, um, uh, that had preached the message that afternoon, and he talked about being able to give thanks when everything is going wrong. And, and that just wasn't natural for me. I, I, I could give thanks when God moved and God allowed something major to happen, when I saw him do things. But I never had learned to give thanks when the bad things in life occurred. And so there it was that day when I had given up all of my options on how to get my car fixed. And, I, and, I, and literally I'm sitting there in the car and I said, God, thank you so much. I don't know what this storm means. I don't know why you're not allowing this car to work. But, Lord, I just want to thank you for the circumstance that you put me in. 
And right after that, I had an th- idea to call a certain friend, and I called that guy. 20 minutes later, he's there at the car with me. Five minutes after he gets out of the car, he has a fix. Things were calm. And I'm going to tell you that in my life, there's been many, many storms. And I've had to learn to thank God for the storm. It's hard. I've not wanted to. I've wanted to go and get justice. I've wanted to go and get some vengeance. I've wanted to go and make things right in Jesus' name. And what God wanted me to learn was to give thanks in the storm, to trust him when everything else seemed like it was going the wrong direction. i got a question for you. What test do you have to repeatedly take? You know, I don't know if you, you recall this, but the children of Israel, they went around Mount Sinai quite a few times in the 40 years that they were in the wilderness. And God was trying to teach them. And I, I would imagine that, that you find yourself in the same predicament over and over again. It's a different person. It's a different job, a different boss, a different financial situation. But it's the same. You know what I'm talking about? And God's wanting you to take this test. And he's wanting you to pass the test. And yet, instead of taking the test and giving thanks and acknowledging God, you get in the boat and you run. Your faith is being tested. Jonah's faith was being tested. And it tells us in chapter 2 of Jonah in verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. You know what? It's never too late to pray. It would be good if we started at the beginning of the storm with prayer. But, you know, this is why God is a good, good God. Because it's never too late for us. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how low things have gotten for you. Your heavenly father is waiting for you to pray. There's a verse that says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, waiting to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect, is completely towards him. He's looking for somebody who's not looking at the waves anymore. He's looking for somebody who's not thinking about the boat. He's looking for somebody who's not worrying about all of the damage that he's causing. He's looking for people who will look completely, trust completely in him. And when we get there, we'll experience the calm. We'll experience the peace that passes understanding. And it wasn't until Jonah was in the belly of this fish that he experienced that. And what did he do? He cried out. Now there's a lot that happens between verse 1 and verse 10, but I want you to understand this about your self-inflicted storms. Your faith is being tested. Think about Peter. Peter had fished all night. He's a fisherman. He knows what he's doing. And Jesus comes up, a stranger has never met him before, and says, cast your net onto the other side. I love this scene in the the new series uh, called Chosen. So you can go on YouTube and and Google the Chosen um, or do a search for this. They've got the first um, season uh, where you can watch this free. And in one of the episodes, um, Jesus is standing on the shore, and he tells Peter to cast his nets on the other side. Peter says, look, we fished all night. You know, thank you for your good uh, will towards us, uh, but we know what we're doing. And ultimately, it gets to the point where Peter puts the nets back in the boat, pushes out, and does what Jesus says. He throws the net on the other side. 
And then the Bible tells us that there was so much so that it almost sunk two boats. That's how much fish was there. In your self-inflicted storms, your faith is being tested. And you need to embrace the old hymn, trust and obey. What's it say? Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I want you to know this. That God may not be changing the circumstance. Think about Jonah. Jonah was um, in the boat. The, the storm is raging. And the answer was, hurl me into the sea. Well, for, for the sailors, it became calm and everything's okay. For Jonah, it didn't. And then this fish just whoo. So God may not be changing your circumstance. He may be allowing you to stay in the storm. He may be allowing you to experience just that, the loneliness that, that you've created. But he is changing you. And he changed Jonah. And when he changed Jonah, Jonah began to pray. I can tell you this, that through the storms that I have gone through, my self-inflicted storms, the ones I caused, the ones I'm totally responsible for, I've changed. I can tell you, Jonah changed. He went from a prophet running from God, from the presence of the Lord, to even as he probably was conceding that his life is now going to end in the belly of this fish, he reached out and he called out to God. Let me ask you, have you done that yet? The waves are still hitting the boat. The wind is scaring everybody around. The relationship is not what you expect. The job is worse than you could imagine. Your finances are just beyond repair. Your health, it's not working out. You're not getting the answers. The doctors are giving you messages that you don't want to hear. And he may not be changing your circumstance. But your heavenly father, your good, good father, he's trying to change you. He's trying to mold you into the Christ follower that he's looking for. Chapter 2 and verse 10 of Jonah. And remember, there's a lot that happens between verses 2 and verses 9, and I encourage you to read those. And what you see is that Jonah begins to pray scripture. And in verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. What happened? Well, the storm ended. And I'm here to tell you that Jonah's storm ended. My storms have ended. And then other storms come, and then they end. Every storm has always ended. And your storm will one day end. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what it looks like to you. But I'm here to tell you that it's going to stop. And the question that you have to ask, even in your self-inflicted storm, even though it's your fault, and you probably, when the storm ends, you're going to feel like Jonah. I mean, could you imagine three days in the belly of this fish with the acids that are in there, and then he gets Vomited up onto the surface. And you know there had to be people there that saw that. And he gets vomited back up on there. And what he must have looked like. What he must have smelled like. And maybe that's 
the way you feel right now. You just feel like, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. This is horrible. I can't believe that God somehow is going to use the storm. I can't believe that what I'm going through, God is somehow going to allow this to, to work out to my good. I'm here to tell you he will. And verse 1 of Jonah chapter 3 says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Saying, and guess what? He said the exact same thing. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against the, the message that I tell you. Let me just point something out. God gave Jonah the same word, the same message, the same direction. Why? I believe it's this. I believe that Jonah was doubting. I believe that Jonah was questioning himself. I believe that Jonah was wondering, and his good, good father didn't come to him and say, you know what, if you do this again, i got a bigger boat and a bigger fish, and you'll stay in there longer than three days. He didn't do that. Instead, he wiped them all, and he gave them the same message. All right, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh, that great city. Call out against it, the message that I'm going to give you. And here's what changed in verse 3. And so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Your self-inflicted storm will end. And here's what you need to understand more than anything else. And that is this, that your purpose is greater than your storm. Your blessing is not in knowing what God wants you to do. It's in doing what God has called you to do. It's okay to sing the hymn, trust and obey, but you've got to do the obey part. It's not just trust. Your purpose is greater than your storm. The purpose that God had called um, Jonah to, to go out to Nineveh, Nineveh had a a population of about uh, 750,000, three-quarters of a million people, and the entire city gets saved. You see, The purpose that God had for Jonah was much greater than that piddly storm, that little boat, that fish. Think about it this way. St. Louis, just 50 miles west of us, they have a little over 300,000 in population. St. Louis County has about 750 or almost 800,000. That's the size, the scope of the purpose that God had called Jonah to. God's calling you. God has put it on your heart. You know what you need to respond to. Are you still in the boat? Is the wave still going? Or are you ready to pray and ask God? Let me just close with this. Um, Tomorrow night, uh, I'm going to uh, do a Facebook Live, and I'm going to talk about the topic of the four wills of God. It's a, a book that has uh, been written uh, phenomenal. You know, I think almost every Christian wants to know what's God's will for my life. And there are four different passages that are very specific. And, and it says this is, matter of fact, John chapter 6 verse 40 says it so plainly. Here's one of the wills of God that is applied to everyone. It says, and this is the will of him that sent me. It's talking about God. That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. You know, I think that there's, there's 
two people out there watching. There are those who are a Christ follower who have believed that, that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and God raised him from the dead. And you may find yourself in a storm where you're running from that same God who sent his son for you. And your father is just waiting for you to stop running, stop thrashing, stop complaining, and just call out to him. And there's another group. And you're much more like those men on that boat. You don't know God. You've never prayed to God. You've never seen the, this God. You've heard about him. You've, you've seen people going to church. But John chapter 6 and verse 40 is the, the most important verse right now I think you should think about. And this is the will of him that sent me. This is the will of God that everyone, that includes you. If you're listening to this, that includes you. That you would believe on him and that you'd have eternal life. Man, you know, I shared with you two verses, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It's that simple. I would encourage you, go to tbccentralia.com slash next and, and read through that. I'd love it if you'd reach out to me. I'd love it if you reach out to one of our pastors that are there in the chat rooms with you right now, whether you're on YouTube or whether you're on online church or if you're on Facebook. We're there. Reach out to one of those. You can direct message them. You can drop one in and say, hey, Pastor Ronnie's talking about me. I need to get saved. We would love to show you. And we've got some material we'd like to get to you. The storms of life are coming. They're going to be self-inflicted. They're inevitable. There's nothing you can do about it. You're going to go through storms. You've got a pulse. You're going to make some bad decisions. But I want you to know this. It's never too late. We're about to sing a song about this. We're going into worship now. And Jermaine and Mallory are going to lead us in a song that just talks about how that it's never too late for us. That we can change. Let me pray and then we'll go right over to the worship. Lord, God, I just ask that you would just reach through this screen, God, and, and touch the hearts that your Holy Spirit would completely overwhelm those that are running from you, God, and that they would see your grace and your love through the story of Jonah. Lord, I ask that those who have never called upon your name, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just pull and tug on them and show them. God, that you would take them to Romans. God, that they would go and they would read how they can know you as their Lord and Savior. It is so simple to believe. God, I pray that you would take the song that Jermaine and Mallory are about to lead us in. And I ask God that you would use that, Lord, to minister. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.